How's it going? Goodly, how are you? I'm wonderful today. You know you know what today is? I do not know what today is, Lee. Will you tell today, me? Today is another day to, to do a podcast. Wow. And this is FNO InsureTech. Yeah. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. Wow. What a coincidence we're doing a, a, a podcast and it's a good day to have one. It is a good day to have one. And it's a particularly interesting day to have a podcast because today I am in Miami, Florida. You are in lots of different locations. I've only done podcasts from Waco, Texas. I'm a rambling guy. I'm a rambling yeah. guy. Yeah. yeah. So so t- tell me, you know, what is it like to to do a podcast in Miami? It's pretty bueno. I'll say that. Is it? It's pretty is bueno. It? Yeah. I am on the ninth floor of a beautiful hotel overlooking the Atlantic Ocean um, in Miami, in South Beach. And it's about as nice as that picture you have in your mind right now of what yeah. I'm telling you. But more interesting than all of this stuff that we're talking about is our, that? Is our podcast today and our um, guest that we have um, on our show. Yeah, we have a great podcast today. Uh, this is one I've really been looking forward to to uh, for, for quite some time. Uh, today we have the uh, founder of Drone Base On, Dan Burton. Yeah, I first met Dan several years ago uh, at a property information report conference where Dan had um, uh, done a session on his show. And it, I'm on his show. He'd done a session on his uh, on his company when it was just really starting out. Yeah. It was a great idea. It was very exciting. And now it's uh, a, uh, it's the largest provider of drone commercial drone flights in the world. Yeah, you know, it, it started back in 2014 uh, with this vision that he had. Uh, he, I mean, the guy has a fantastic story. And uh, it's really amazing how far it's come since 2014. Uh, so I, I think I think we have a lot in store for us today, uh, and and I think it'll be a, a really good listen. Dan is Dan is uh, super smart. Uh, he's a visionary, mm-hmm. and he's also a um, a veteran, right? Um, and those are all key parts of his story that have come together for to form Drone Base. So. Without further ado, if you don't mind, Lee, if it's okay with you. I'm okay with it. Okay. Then let's just go straight into that interview. Here it is, our interview with Dan Burton, CEO of DroneBase. Listeners, I know you're all excited to hear. In fact, if you clicked on this on your podcast player, you already know who our guest is. But we have a super special guest today. Uh, and it's it's uh, it's a privilege to have with us, Mr. Dan Burton, who is the CEO and co-founder. Correct? Yeah, the founder. Yep. Founder of DroneBase. Hi, Dan. Hi. Uh, great, great to hear from from both of you. And yeah, Rob, uh, I, I'm I'm in Los Angeles, so typically don't get too jealous of anybody else's location. But I, I think you might have us beat here. Uh, that sounds pretty fantastic. I might have to take some pictures. I might have to take some pictures yeah. to include in uh, in the show deep. notes for this one. But um, we're 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 like I said, we're real happy to have you with us. We're real excited to have you with us. Drone based. D- Dan yeah, is um, 
um, a mover and a shaker in in his industry, and runs one of or the largest uh, um, company of his kind. Let, let's 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 get rolling and jump in and sure. and let's start with this question, Dan. Sure. Can you give us the thirty second one minute on drone base? Of course. Of course. Yeah. And, th- and again, thank you both for having us on. Uh, privilege to be talking to both of you. Um, so yeah, so as you said, my, my name is Dan Burton. I'm the founder and CEO of DroneBase. And very simply, uh, DroneBase helps enterprise customers make better, faster decisions about their most valuable properties, assets, and worksites by providing fast, affordable, reliable drone data. Pretty simple. You know, really, our goal is to save our customers time, save our customers money uh, by leveraging drone technology. We try to keep it as simple as possible. And you bring that to a wide range of verticals, correct? We do. So I would say that really, you know, drone base as a company, look, we're in a new industry. There's a lot of problems in our industry and kind of every one of them's hard. I would say that we're really laser focused on drone operations the way we think about that is that we have you know, DroneBase has the only API for drone services. And so what we think about is can our API take requests for one or 10 or 1,000 or 10,000 requ- you know, requests for drone flights from unique addresses? And then you know, it's our mission in life to, like I said before, quickly, affordably, reliably return data sets you know, back from those addresses that can be relied upon uh, and, and trusted by our partners and customers. And, and maybe to point out, as you say, I'd say that we're, you know, we're really focused on that drone operations piece uh, and really acquiring data with drones. For us, again, just kind of being honest, we try to be pretty humble as a company about what we are good at and what we're not. Uh, I think we're really good at drone operations, you know, drone flights, capturing a data set right the first time. Uh, as you point out, that the operational piece tends to look pretty similar from vertical to vertical. We kind of think about it like drones as hardware and drone based as a company are, are best in the world at you know, basically one square mile or less data capture. Um, and I think our, our take, again, just being somewhat humble about our about what we know, I think we're we're really good at that, dr- running drone operations at scale. Uh, but we we do really like to leverage partners uh, and others who are expert in really doing the analysis, providing the data takeaway from their unique industry. I mean, as you could imagine, uh, it's unlikely that a drone company probably you know it's like for us to be both an expert in running a mine water runoff survey, as well as a construction, uh, you know, mapping survey, as well as, you know, knowing to the 10th exponent, how to make a determination about damage on a claim. Uh, That's maybe unlikely for, for one, you know, drone company, not in that vertical to really bring something incredibly novel to that analysis solution. I'd say that we're really focused on, helping scale the operational piece uh, of, of just making this data easier to acquire and, and use in your business. Sorry, lo- long answer to a very short question. It, it makes me think of something, and that is is that um, when we started 470, 
you know, we, we went into an industry that was well-established with well-established competitors and well-established processes and procedures and thinking and philosophies. What, what's it like to start a business when there really aren't any other businesses like yours <laughs> in, an in, in an industry sure. that doesn't even exist yet? What, what was, sure. I got to ask you, what, what was that like? Sure. So, I mean, um, you know, I, I think that we can go a bit into my background, but I do think, you know, basically I was, uh, I was in the U.S. military, was in the U.S. Marine Corps. I was not a drone pilot. I was an, an infantry officer, so just sort of a grunt on the ground. Uh, but during my time in the service, you know, I watched this technology really computer, like do exactly what the computer did over a 50-year period of time, right? So when I got in, a drone was like a mainframe computer, you know, a global hawk made by Northrop Grumman, cost $100 million, looks like an airplane, takes off from a runway, really replicated what an airplane would do. It took something like 55 people to operate, even though no one was on it. Um, So, you know, it was kind of an airplane comparable then I watched, you know, you get saw smaller systems like a Predator Reaper. Uh, still takes off from a runway, but a much smaller system with offensive capabilities. Uh, but then really much more common and, and the real game changers were these smaller, easier to use systems like a Scan Eagle uh, that really could be sort of a battalion level asset. A battalion about 800 people. Uh, and then, you know, even getting down to sort of uh, something like the Raven or Wasp, which was a company level uh, air asset. So, you know, something that we could send an infantry person who hadn't been to college to a training class, they come back with a little backpack drone. So maybe we got to, maybe not quite to the personal computer, not quite to the iPhone, but maybe to like, you know, the mini computer level. I, I think the current state of play in the military is that at least in the Marine Corps, they want a, a drone down even to the squad level of 15 people where they want kind of an assistant squad leader to be the systems operator and, and their primary system to be a, a drone. So all that is to say, basically what I saw this technology do was this incredible sort of democratization and decentralization of access to air, where smaller and smaller and smaller units could essentially have dedicated access to air, uh, get data and intelligence from the air, and make better, faster decisions about what was around them based on that data. Um, and, and honestly, so so I guess, again, long answer to your short question, but I, I really started just a dynamical believer you know, in this technology and profoundly believed that it would commercialize. Um, didn't exactly know how that would play out, but I did think it would be very analogous in the commercial context in the sense that, hey, look, sure, the Fortune 10... ExxonMobil has had an aviation department for the past 40 years, right? They can, they can afford fixed wing, rotary wing aircraft, you know, heavy user of satellite data. Uh, but what commercial drone technology would enable is, is a very similar transition where really down to the property level, the worksite level, uh, the asset level, you know, uh, this drone technology will allow you to, even at that lowest level, you know, get access to air and get data and intelligence from the air that makes you help make a better, faster decision. Uh, so, you know, again, a bit of a long answer, but I think that just seeing how, like when we were in the military, it felt like we were living 30 years in the future, 
you know, with this technology. Um, and, and so it just felt like I had a sneak preview to how this might look in a commercial context as well. Sure. I mean, it's cool that you were able to connect the dots between, you know, here I am in the military seeing this. What about after the military? Right. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, again, I was, you know, I think that's one of the most, most, you know, if not the most rewarding thing we do at DroneBase. Obviously, the the way that we operate is by having built the largest network of commercial drone pilots of the world in, in the world. Uh, we work with a majority of the FAA's Part 107 community. Um, and I think one of our favorite things to do is to help military veterans who are transitioning, who maybe picked up some of these skills in the military. Uh, our view is that being a professional drone pilot is a kind of a new class of skilled labor. Uh, and so for us to be able to help somebody make that transition from military to civilian life and leverage some of the skills that they have, you know, there's nothing more Uh, rewarding for us in that. So it's something we really enjoy about our work. That's admirable. And we appreciate that. Um, which, which leads into your background. You, you have a, you have a really interesting story. It's not a real usual kind of track of how you went. Can you give us just a couple of minutes on, on your background? I know it includes the military. It includes wall street and, and it includes Harvard. How, How did, how in the world, did that happen? Sure. Uh, well, you know, they they always make a few admissions and mistakes every year, so sometimes you get you get lucky on that stuff. Um, no, I mean, again, just very quickly on me. You know, I w- some folks in my family served in the military. wasn't really contemplating a joining the military, but lived in New York during September 11th. Kind of watched everything happen there. Uh, kind of felt like I would join the service at you know, and then a few years later, join the Marine Corps. Uh, was as I said, was stationed at. Camp Pendleton uh, out here in California uh, and just deployed first on a uh, on a, what's called a, a MU, a Marine Expeditionary Unit uh, that went on ship from California to Asia and the Middle East and then back and then subsequently deployed to Iraq, uh, was in Al Anbar province and then deployed to Afghanistan, uh, started in Kabul tr- on a training team, uh, Afghan training team, and then inserted that unit we trained into operations down in Helmand province uh, of Afghanistan. Uh, so obviously, you know, an incredible experience, uh, life-changing as you could imagine, uh, sure. and completely my privilege and honor to, oh, man. Sure. to serve uh, and to be with the great uh, Marines that, that serve our country. Um, yeah, I think, again, just be candid with you all, just because we're talking about starting companies. I mean, I think that my... Uh, just had an incredible experience, but, you know, sort of my deal with my wife was that I would go in for five, six years, give it absolutely everything I had. Uh, and then, you know, try to do that, that first kind of commitment and then, and then leave, uh, just because, you know, I, I just, I think it's for me personally, there, I didn't want to do that job any day. I couldn't give it absolutely 100%. Uh, and that's what I did for five, six years. Uh, and at some points to the detriment of, you know, your personal relationships or just being at home, et cetera. Right. So I think that, you know, in some ways you'll, you know, finding that level of, you know, that we were just so passionate and really loved what we did. Uh, but now you're able to find a little more balance in life between work and home, which is great. So, you know, again, just walking folks through this, who might be sort of entrepreneurial too, just to be candid about everything. So, you know, left the military, 
tried to think of, you know, tried to really unpack like what, what techno, you know, what technology is really impressive there. Uh, you know, I was an infantry officer, so I, I really hope I'm not, you know, emplacing machine gun positions or firing, teaching people how to use mortars here in the United States. Um, although those are wonderful technical skill sets, uh, really the, it was this technology, you know, drone technology and some of the other sort of big data uh, work that was happening uh, we had access to over there uh, were really just impressive new technologies. And if you think of so many of our industries are born, you know, out of the military or, or government work, I mean, think about how many industries came from, you know, innovations in World War II or kind of spun out of the space program. I mean, this just felt like another industry uh, that was, again, we were living very far in the future. So, yeah, as you, as you pointed out, you know, I, I, for folks who might be listening who are military veterans, uh, one great thing that has been set up is, is the kind of the post-9-11 GI Bill. Uh, so, you know, I, I of course, it's, it's also good to have a partner in life. You know, my wife is much more level-headed and patient than I am. So, of course, you know, the day I left the military, I want to start a company. You know, she's much more thoughtful and, and patient. So she said, no, no, why don't you learn something about, you know, go to business school. You know, even more ideally, could we, like, pay off our debt uh, before, before we do that? Okay. So she's a very, very thoughtful, very thoughtful woman uh, who I'm, I'm lucky to, to have. Uh, so, yeah, as, as you pointed out, I uh, went to uh, Harvard Business School and really tried to do all my research on uh, drone commercialization there. Just kind of wrote my papers on that. Uh, tried to kind of lean into that topic, talk to some folks at the engineering school who are working on that. Uh, I also just took computer science uh, during business school, which I would kind of commend to anyone. Uh, if you're in an education program right now, you can always pr- typically, you know, cross register for your, uh, for a computer science. Uh, and, and so I was able to do that. And that's, you know, that was, I'm no expert in that, but I think just at least respecting that discipline and knowing kind of the ins and outs of, of code, just so you know what you're asking engineers to do and kind of asking folks to do is you, if you're going to build a software heavy company uh, is helpful. Right. So, you know, I would kind of commend computer science to folks as well. And then as you pointed out, you know, so I tried to start this company before I even started school, tried to drop out three, four times to start this company. My wife said, you know, please just stick it out. Please stick it out. Um, she had some debt from law school. I had a little debt from business school and sort of the deal that we struck was if we could sort of get to debt free, uh, it'd be, you know, we, we could start this company kind of with full confidence. And yeah, as you pointed out then, I think that, uh, after, after business school, uh, joined Goldman Sachs, worked in the kind of the technology media telecom group of the investment bank. And, you know, in many ways, I think that consulting firm, uh, or finance can just give you that really, you know, s- school is great, right? But practical applications better. Um, and, and these, these programs have a great ability to take, you know, let's say military veterans, uh, and really give you an immersive skill set in, let's say just the kind of the plumbing of finance, uh, or just a really aggressive, you know, business boot camp to get you caught up to speed. You know, I hadn't, I had never been in the private sector before. So, you know, spent a very valuable year there, uh, learning uh, and, and, sure. and building a skill set, also just kind of doing a cash sweep to debt uh, and putting every single thing towards, you know, getting us to kind of debt free. And then once we had done a good year there, I just kind of couldn't, couldn't take it anymore. Couldn't kind of take being on the outside looking mm-hmm. in of our 
I just could I just really wanted to get into our to this industry, right? So just left to start a company. Even your wife couldn't restrain you any longer. I mean, just, <laughs> just listening to your story, I'm like, I'm like, well, I, I'm just picturing how you, much you're chomping at the bit because you're probably seeing the opportunity, right? And probably waiting for somebody else to jump on it. No, absolutely. I mean, that's, you know, we, I just kind of saw this clear enough where I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't let anybody else build this before, you know, before I do. And, and so, and so, yeah, I mean, as you point out, um, look, I'm, I'm a big fan of just doing the work myself. You know, it's like sort of, a, you know, in the Marines is like, you would not ask someone else to do something that you weren't willing to do. Uh, so before we even had a company, uh, you know, I had left, I had left, uh, finance, uh, and, and just kind of started to do this work myself. So probably, you know, for us that, that for, for me, that looked like kind of doing our first 300, 400 flights myself. Uh, as well as sort of kind of hunting down every single person in California who was interested in becoming a drone professional or a professional drone pilot. There's about like, maybe about 300, 400 people at that time in a kind of an early community. Um, so yeah, I, I was just basically trying to talk myself on to work sites, uh, mines, telecom assets, you know, even just simple things in real estate. Uh, I would go try to find like a military veteran who was running a work site, for example, uh, at that point, this is kind of early 2014, couldn't even give this stuff away for free. Uh, but usually folks would let me on and kind of just help them build a data set and just see kind of what mm. would we do Interesting. with this. Um, yeah. And just kind of got a good sense from companies, like helped a few companies buy huge drone fleets that generally didn't seem to work out for them. Mm. Uh, in the context that like for the same reason that companies probably don't have a huge closet of servers collecting dust, they right. probably went to the cloud. Right. Um, similarly for this, it just felt like for companies, uh, if they could just get access to the drone data that helps them make a decision and not have to do some huge fixed cost investment in a system that maybe gets flown 20 minutes out of a 24 hour day, that seemed like what they would how they wanted to consume this data. And then on the other side, I just had met a, a big enough community of folks who wanted to do this work professionally that felt like, okay, there's a, there's something here. There's a good fit here. You know, we, we saw that, um, in our business, I don't know how many years ago, probably we're probably talking about the same time that some carriers in the initial excitement about drones, because as, as you know, there was tremendous excitement in the insurance vertical about drones early on. Right. Absolutely. And, um, ma many carriers went, well, many carriers went out and made enormous investments and they were going to give a drone to every, every adjuster in the field. Absolutely. But I think that slowly but surely they kind of came around to exactly what you're talking about or, or experienced what you're talking about. And that is, wow, is this really something that we want our adjusters to do? Or can we just buy this, buy this piece of the puzzle? when we need it. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, no. And, and, and I mean, look, I'm, I'm obviously was excited to see some of those folks take a big early bite at the apple, but you know, we were nervous too, that that was not how this typically was successful just because you buy this giant drone fleet. And then, you know, this technology is like at two X the obsolescence cycle of an iPhone, right? So you buy right. your drone right. fleet and in six months there's a, there's a system comes out that's twice as powerful for half as right. much money. Uh, so it's, it's, it's tricky. Right. Um, yeah, and, and I think that, as you point out as well, like really, I think we've been laser focused on just scale, 
Like, how do you scale this out? How do you help a company scale this out? Um, I, I think that in the early days of a technology, for example, like it is really easy to put together a proof of concept, you know, one drone flight that I look, I'm going to fly my VP engineering out. I'm going to fly my VP marketing out. We're going to do it on one house. Um, the drone's going to go do this crazy, complete autopilot, no human in the loop. And it's machine learning, AI, buzzword, 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 uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. magic, 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 <laughs> uh, spit out this thing. And great. So it's like, I think you get that. It's easy to get into the kind of the innovation group level and sort of the proof of concept level. But to really scale this out, for, for any organization to really scale this out, I really think you have to come to them with cost and time savings that a line business owner can can put into their P&L and say, I am pulling out loss. I'm Correct. saving money. I'm saving time. Uh, and, and it's on a kind of a positive unit economics basis. Uh, so I think that's that's one thing we've really tried to you say a new technology, a new industry. That's, you know, I would say that we've really tried hard to look. I mean, uh, it's an enterprise company. We've tried hard to just uh, to have a real company uh, in the sense that, like, we want to take revenue from customers and save them time or money. I don't care if it's not the sexist use case. I, you know, I don't care if there's still a little human in the loop. I don't care if we're really leveraging that customer or our partner's kind of expert knowledge. Uh, as we should do, uh, really like, you know, h- how do we, how, you know, w- until we are saving a P&L holder time and money, I don't think any of us are sleeping well at night. Uh, and I think, I think that we got to some, our, our industry kind of got, has some really cool demos, but then just scaling this out. Okay, great. We did this one house, but now Harvey Irma just struck. I have 10,000 properties that need a drone flight. Can you do that? Uh, well, no, I can't. Well, okay. that it doesn't really help. Right. So I think getting, being able to scale, uh, is, is as important as anything else. I think that's one thing drone has been laser focused on from the beginning. You know, uh, it, it's funny because Lee has, has been, <laughs> been in the shoes of that, of that drone pilot demo guy, right. That the, the VP of claims and the other VP of claims and the senior VP of claims and everybody comes to one house, you know, in the field and, and watches a, a drone work. And, and how a drone can can help on a claim from that point a you know all the way to to operational in the field and and on a mass scale is you know in two entirely different things I want to ask you with what you were just saying I've heard you referred to as the um, uber of drones are you comfortable with that um, look uh, you know I, I mean, uh, it's funny because, you know, <laughs> yeah, what happens is I'll yeah. take like 10 minutes, uh, you know, I'll sit down with someone and for 15 minutes, I'll like try to explain what we do. And then they'll kind of like sort of get it, sort of not. And I'll say, we're Uber for drone pilots. And I say, oh, okay, I understand. Got it. Makes sense. And so uh, as much as we've had maybe early on resisted that moniker, uh, look, I think, I think that generally, um, I think that generally isn't the worst analogy i i would probably you know as we think about ourselves internally i think of us more like maybe like you know like a twilio or an amazon web service i think that what we want this to look like is really simple inputs for the customer with really reliable outputs back to the customer uh, and just an ability to go acquire this data at really kind of magical scale speed 
cost and time. I mean, a lot of I mean, the vast majority, as I'm sure yours is too, at 470, right? I mean, the vast majority of our technology really is solving this back end, nasty, operationally complex kind of industry plumbing problem of, you know, programmatically checking and clearing restricted airspace, algorithmically dispatching a pilot that has the right sensor, uh, the right training, the right certifications, uh, providing, you know, flight plans and shot lists that help uh, a drone flight help, you know, happen more and more automatically. And then having a smart pipe from the field that just ingests that data without a bunch of labeling or tedious tasks and gets it back to the customer, you know, VR API as fast as humanly possible. So, you know, look, I think in, in the sense that, you know, Uber is, you open that app up and for the user, it's just dead simple and gets you from point A to point B really easily. And there's a whole lot of backend mm-hmm. uh, right. problems that they solve to do that. I think that's what we're trying right. to do here. Just really, there's like, there's a new, there's a totally new workflow. There's a lot of steps to it. And I think this is just a lead bullet blocking and tackling software engineering problem to automate all these backend processes. So for the customer, it just seems like magic. That's that's exactly what I was thinking of is that, it, you know, as, as a salesperson, if I was on your sales team, I'd walk into someplace and I'd say, just think of it as the Uber uh, for drones Relevant. because that Relevant. makes it incredibly simple. What, what you of course approach it as, as, as a CEO and, and who understands every step in the workflow would, and, and, and it's incredible. And like you said, you're building it from the ground up. Yeah, but yeah, no, and I, I've been humbled. Uh, I've been humbled enough to, you know, it, as we said, it's like you, you used to have to grunt proof things uh, or, you know, idiot proof things as we used to say uh, for, for us in the infantry, you know, I, I think s- Simple is better. It's like if you if you ask someone to describe your children, you'd go on like a twenty minute uh, explanation because you, you know them so well. You know every single <laughs> angle, every single yeah. You know you almost know too much. Not my kids. <laughs> I'd say they're bums. There you Both go. There you go. And then uh, you know it's a great. <laughs> it's as simple as Uber for drugs. You know, but no, I, I do think that with any new technology, very good to be able to explain it quickly in a way a customer understands right away. Yeah. And, you know, we, we were doing some research and, you know, as, as you were getting uh, further away from the founding of, of drone base to where you are now, it appears as though strategic partnerships have really been important to you. And, and I'm reading about partnerships with uh, Hilton hotels, Zillow, uh, even in our industry, I believe in 2018, you know, announced a strategic alliance with um, uh, uh, Geomni. Uh, yeah. Wow. Big deal. Yeah. Talk to us about those and maybe, maybe even about that, that Geomni one or, or other partnerships that, that you have in the insurance space. Sure. Of course. So, you know, again, I think this kind of goes back to as an organization, we, we want to do, we want to be humble about what we want to do a very small number of things extremely, extremely well. Uh, I think we are world-class in running uh, drone operations. Uh, you know, I, I think by and large, right, we, we are probably, we're very heavy on software engineering and operations. Uh, to be honest, we're probably underinvested in sort of sales, marketing, branding, you know, advertising. Mm. Uh, we really want to make sure we're, we're solving a, the core operational problem. Uh, and it, almost to our detriment, to be honest with you, we probably have undermarketed ourselves. But, you know, I, I do think part of that, Part of knowing what we're really good at and understanding how hard it is to get good at these, you know, as areas of drone operations, 
is having some kind of core humility about the partners that we're going to. Um, so I would just take, let's just take, take insurance, you know, a, as an example. Um, look, I think we have tremendous respect for what any adjuster uh, brings to the table, to their skill set, to their sort of art and science, uh, to their kind of trained eye of how to uh, make a determination uh, about something, how to provide analysis. Um, we also have some core humility that like there are just some, there are just some sort of incumbent winners in, uh, in verticals that, that really like folks spend a lot of their time already in someone else's tool. Uh, you know, Veris might be an example of, hey, look, here's a company that's taking 20, 30, 40 different types of data streams and they're synthesizing one end product in, in, a, in a platform that customers are already using. Uh, and so wouldn't, you know, our, our, our thought there is, you know, hey, is drone data and imagery an interesting additional data source? You know, I, I don't know how much that nail costs. I don't know how much this siding versus that siding costs. I, I honestly don't want to. Uh, I, I don't think any drone company will be great at those answers. So, you know, anytime we can just work a bit more simply uh, with a great partnership, you know, we always really love, we always really love to do that. Um, right. It, you know, as, and as I think about what we do, it's like, again, I think some good humility where we, we want to ultimately augment the experts in an industry. Right. I mean, I, I think that like we want, if, if an adjuster, you know, if, if we can help an adjuster make better, faster determination of a claim with a great data set, you know, if that's a better, if there, if there's a way to get them you know, doing that on some of the harder use cases versus maybe the best use of their time isn't driving to 20 different properties that day, or we can just be a little better, faster, cheaper in the field. Mm-hmm. You know, how do we just, how do we equip with experts that are already, already in their field with a, with a great data set that helps them get, get to an end decision. So yeah, I'd say just for, and it's just kind of it also for a smaller company or in a newer industry, you know, I think again, just the, the more you can define what you need to do and get really, really good at it. And then the, the more you can work with partners who are already built great channels, leading brands uh, in their industry. Uh, we're always happy to help serve as a great partner for this new technology and not feel like we have to reinvent entirely reinvent the wheel right. for, you know, eight different, eight different end vertical solutions. Right. And, you know, I, I think it's interesting to know we, we got to know drone base, well over a year ago, I would say. And the message you're delivering today of uh, we want to do certain things fantastic and we want to know those things that, you know, we're, we're not as good at or those that we're not focusing on. That message was was delivered then and, and it's delivered today. And I think it's 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 a, you know, very important to understand that that your vision is still there to be the best at what you do best. Right. Uh, uh, obtain the images, uh, you know, take all the data and be able to, to create these APIs. Uh, I, I think that's a great vision. Yeah, look, I think that's, that's you, I don't think you'll hear that change too much from us. Like there's no secret, you know, I, I really think for us, you know, we envision a, a world where there are millions, if not tens of millions of commercial drone flights happening every year. Uh, we're, we're hard at work just automating and tackling that, you know, slaying that dragon of automating our own workflow. Uh, so it's like by the time we go 10 steps down that, you know, 470 claims would be 10 steps deeper into solving that, you know, your, your technology, you know, your industry's problem. So right. uh, we're always for, 
we're always just for helping augment, you know, the winners in their industry. Well, you know, we do hear, hear you talking a lot about being humble and, and about the company and doing what you do. I, I do want to talk a little bit about your actual drone force, you know, sure. your actual base of, of pilots. Uh, I read, I read a lot about it and I've read that you've done flights in, um, in all 50 States and in over 60 countries. Is, is that, is that right? That's right. Yep. So, um, exactly right. So, it's a little more countries. It's actually seventy countries now, uh, and yeah, okay. and all in all fifty U.S. states. Yep. So again, that and that goes back to what I was saying in terms of, uh, and and I know actually, you know, obviously knowing four seventy, you guys have wonderful geographic coverage as well. Uh, but we sort of think about particularly in the United States, particularly in the English speaking world, call that U.S., Canada, U.K., Ireland, mm-hmm. Australia, New Zealand. You know, if you're working with the companies at scale. Uh, you really need to be everywhere to be helpful. Uh, so, you know, we think about it both in terms of broad, uh, broad rural coverage, so we can get to that right. runoff claim in North Dakota, South Dakota, Montana, you know, rural West Texas. And then we also think about density uh, in an urban environment, right? So, got it, we can cover broadly any U.S. address that's not in truly restricted airspace, uh, but what happens when Harvey hits and Irma hits or Michael hits, right? Can right. you scale up? Can you scale and be dense uh, in a metro area where you really can still help that carrier get much, much faster about you know, getting out to their claims uh, and, and you don't tap out on scale uh, in, a, in a kind of a surge environment? So we think you know, those are both important for us. Yeah, and I think that's important to to talk about today. A lot of our listeners uh, work in the in the day claim environment, but they also work in the cat claim environment. And a lot of them are interested in in ramping up. How are we going to be able to get inspections done quickly? Uh, and I've talked to to your group in the past about ramping up and kind of what you do. But I was going to see if today you could talk about how. How how would you prepare for a large hurricane if if we need to get a thousand two thousand inspections out very quickly? Yeah, I mean, again, I think that like for uh, it's a great question uh, and it's something we had to think about, kind of learn the hard way on a couple times in 2015 and mm-hmm. 2016. Uh, but I'd say what was really great for us was that in 2017 uh, in Harvey and Irma, and then in the catastrophe situations in 2018. We really were the company, the only company that was able to do drone operations at scale uh, and not tap out, you know, doing you know, thousands and thousands of claims in, in those incidents and, and not hitting a kind of a peak capacity uh, at any point. So, yeah, I mean, look, I, the, probably the part of the business we talk a little bit less about, but we think a lot about internally is really how we do our operations. Uh, we are kind of core committed to running all of our operations through the drone-based pilot network. Uh, we've been building that out since uh, 2014. Uh, we, we're, we're just believers in that community, and we're believers that the, the best way to tackle these problems are, are with you know, a distributed network of the wonderful professional drone pilots that are out there in the U.S. Uh, we think a lot about the progression of a professional drone pilot. As you can imagine, we started doing this work back in 2014 that, I mean, that hardly existed, uh, or maybe there was a very, a very, very small community. Uh, obviously, we, we kind of were familiar with that initial group of seven three 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 exempt recipients. We tracked the three 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 exempt community, which was a public. You know, you could track that in a public way, uh, but we tried to stay close to all those folks. And now have we try to maintain as near perfect knowledge as possible on the FAA's Part One Hundred Seven community. Um, and as you 
as you may or may not know, over 120,000 people have actually taken and passed the FAA's Part 107 uh, exam uh, to get their commercial drone operator's license. And so, look, we, we think a lot, uh, we probably don't publicize it too much, we think a whole lot about the progression of a drone pilot uh, from someone who is kind of getting started in this work to really an enterprise pilot uh, and, and then, you know, going from there more deeply into different verticals and sensors. So, you know, we have a, our own sort of pathways. If you have a 107 and a drone, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to know where you are. We'd love to know what systems you have. We'd love to know what certifications you have, um, you know, et cetera. Like that's a good starting point with us. Uh, that's far from the finishing point with us. Uh, we'll, we'll typically do several missions with a pilot, ideally, you know, 10 plus, uh, and then we'll start to consider someone for really for enterprise work. Uh, we, we then sort of have a, a kind of a hard tier of a drone-based enterprise pilot. Uh, that's, that's a, you know, a, a smaller but uh, a higher threshold group. We're, we're doing background checks uh, on that group. We're, you know, for all pilots, we're screening, badging, them in all their systems, all their sensors. We have our own in-house training program. Uh, very, we'll also do qualifications on a vertical basis as well as a sensor basis. So trainings in insurance, uh, you know, power, real estate construction, as well as, as, as kind of qualifications in thermal and LIDAR. Uh, you know, we can talk about those other sensors that are coming online in time. Uh, really, and, 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 and then it even really gets down to the customer level. So for the larger, some of our larger insurance customers, really what we're doing is taking our enterprise tier of pilots and standing up a private cloud of, of pilots that are really trained in their, their even their specific workflow. Uh, and, and I know it sounds like a lot of work. And honestly, we also go on like the world's worst summer tour uh, or, you know, winter tour, uh, you know, it's, it's not, it's no, uh, I don't even know what's a good band these days. No, like Imagine Dragons. I don't even know what a, yeah, we're not, we're not, we're not filling giant stadium, but we'll go on the road and, and meet with our pilots and walk them through uh, the relevant training for the, the bigger customers, especially like in advance of hail season or advance of hurricane season. Um, on this topic, um, we, we have a, a, another drone pilot on the, on the broadcast today. Did you know that? I got a little intel on that. I, I did, but yeah, I did get a little uh -huh. intel there. Yeah, he's actually he's actually um, listed or registered at Drone Base, Mister 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 Lee Boyd. Aren't you licensed, Lee? I am. I am. I'm a I'm a licensed uh, drone pilot. I I am registered. I have actually not flown anything uh, for Drone Base. I know. To my to my great shame, uh, we we like we got a man in Waco, Texas. Now we got a man in Waco, Texas. Now I know, but but I will say it is it is one of the first things I did uh, because as I got my Par one hundred seven, I discovered this this drone based thing. It was two years ago, and I I went on, I signed up, and you know to to your credit, it's very simple, and it's easy to do, and uh, it, it's a it's a neat very neat platform. And I've, I've read all about how y'all are, uh, integrating with, with other strategic partners to make it even better and, and capture new data. So kudos to you on that. It is my and our entire sales team's mission in life to just be sending more work down to the drone pilot community. They could almost possibly handle to the, you know, we've been really proud to be able to get a few, you know, to get 
some number of folks on our platform, really their full-time work uh, comes from DroneBase. That's a great win for us. But we're also thrilled just to augment uh, people's kind of book of business. I, I mean, people have great local relationships, but maybe we just have an ability to go work with an enterprise uh, that's just harder for that local operator to have that enterprise national relationship. But look, we would love to leverage that same skill set and help augment that. I mean, really, you guys are kind of in the same boat that we are. And that is, is you have, you know, you have 1099s all over the country and you try to keep them as busy as you possibly can. Exactly right. And because the busier you keep them, there's all kinds of good reasons for that, um, both for both for your company and for the individual who's out in the field um, doing the project. Again, part of this is I am a true believer, so you have to watch what I say, right? But I mean, we, we absolutely do envision a world where there are tens of millions of drone flights a year in the near term. And, and sure, like perhaps the drone industry is, has a good amount of supply at the moment, but I think very quickly uh, we will be supply constrained, um, which will be, a, I think, beneficial for our industry. Um, but I think like that will happen. We will be supply constrained within the next three, four years. The, um, I, I do want to ask you one question, a little side thing before we, um, before we wrap up today. And that is about Y Combinator. Um, so I have two questions there. One is, um, you consider yourself a tech company. Is that fair to say? Sure. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, if I, if I say to you, what, what, what kind of company are you? I mean, the majority of our budget is spent on the majority of our budget is spent on software engineering product and design. So, you know, so it's, so yes. I mean, that's, we, we never mm-hmm. want to not do mm-hmm. that. I see that your company's alumni, making you, I'm sure, an alumni of Y Combinator. And I'm particularly interested in that because my son, my younger son, Alex, is currently a, in um, the in Y Combinator this semester, or what, whatever they call the, the session. That's great. Um, that's great. Yeah. So that's, so that's, that's an great. exciting thing. Uh, no, that's, well, congratulations to him. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't really know this, but it's like harder to get into that thing than it is to like Harvard, or they have like a way sub one percent admissions rate, or some crazy thing, which yeah, I did not and, even and, realize and at the time. I probably my, would not have even applied. <laughs> Luckily, ignorance, he's, ignorance he's, is bliss. He's told me that things, like so twenty times. Not knowing what you don't so, know. He's pretty proud of that, um, and of course, I'm proud too. But it's a. It, was that a helpful process for you guys? I mean, did it did it uh, did it make a difference? It was, it was, a, it was, it was incredibly helpful. I, I couldn't recommend it. I honestly, I couldn't recommend it enough to be honest. You know, if I had to stack up like Harvard business school versus Y Combinator, I would really be hard pressed to not say, if you had those two options, you would just go to Y Combinator. If I compare the two, right. It's like one takes two years. It, they, you, it costs you a lot of money. It costs you six figures. Uh, Nobody has any idea what they want to do and spend two years sort of like dream vision questing what they want to do with their lives. Um, if that's business school, then I look at Y Combinator. It's a 90-day hardest sprint of your life. They give you six figures to build a company. And every person there knows exactly what they're trying to do uh, and build. It has a very concrete, definite vision of the future that they want to exist uh, through a company that they're creating. Um, so I, I would, I, I really can't commend it strongly enough. I mean, look, and just, we had, we had wonderful mentors there. Our, our group, you know, my group there was like Justin Khan who had started Twitch, uh, Gary Tan, who had started uh, a blogging service and then has started a seed fund subsequently with the founder of, uh, 
of Reddit, uh, and then uh, Kat uh, from from their team who had come from a journalism background and was amazing about kind of helping us tell our story. So no, I, you know, I, I really do. I, I think that what they are good at is if you are coming with core knowledge and core kind of competency in a technology or industry, they are really good at explaining to you of the thousand things you could be doing today, what are the three things you should be doing? And then just some sense of like what the heck actual scale or really fast growth looks like. Uh, That can be terrifying, uh, but it's a reality that's kind of worth knowing, right? I mean, I think the goal there was to grow 10% a week. Uh, So I was trying to grow our drone flights 10% a week. Um, And, you know, you put that together week on week, I think anybody, actually, that is a lot, even for a week. Some companies don't do that in a year. But, you know, even if it sounds, even if you go in there very confident, oh, I'll grow 10% a week, sure thing. Uh, Sure, when the numbers are small, uh, yeah, like you can do it. But, you know, if you can actually achieve that over time, the compounding effect is really incredible. So, um, well, congrats to your son. Uh, obviously, well, excited thank to, you. Thank excited you. To, to tech, what thank is his company called? Are we allowed to say? Um, uh, okay, we keep it on that. You know, it, that's a great question. Can I get back to you on that? <laughs> okay, no, congratulations uh, to him. I, you know, I, I think that you know, I, I would recommend it to anyone, particularly if it's sort of your first time in a kind of a high growth technology right. startup and environment. And, it just it is a little different animal, um, and they're they're very good at explaining how to prioritize your time mm-hmm. and how to focus on growth. So speaking of growth, let's talk, I mean, obviously you're in a crazy growth industry. Let's talk about 2024. What, what, what are you thinking about 2024? What's, what's it going to, what's you, your business, your industry, where's it going to be? What's, what's going to be up? Is, is there going to be a drone in every garage? <laughs> I mean, what's, 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 what's going to happen? I don't, yeah, I don't think so. Um, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, look, I think that whereas now when we go do a drone, let's say we go do a drone flight and in insurance, it is still quite an event. The homeowner, they don't have to be there, but more often than not, they really want to be there. Half the neighborhood comes out to check it out. It's a kind of an exciting slash scary slash, you know, at least worthy of, uh, of people putting it on Instagram or something. Uh, I, I very much look forward to the day that uh, normal drone flights are boring. Uh, it was sort of a boring industry when I got into it. I'm excited for the day it becomes boring again. Um, you know, if I'm just looking at my, you know, if I just think about 2024, um, if I just look out over my horizon, I'm looking out the window right now. It's like, if I look below the horizon, I see, you know, buildings, roads, I see a train track, I see electric wires. I see kind of all of human ingenuity and progress, but look above the horizon, and I'm in Los Angeles. It's a very busy airspace. You know, I don't see a single airplane or helicopter. There's nothing in the air, right? I, I do think that drone technology, I, I think you will see regular drone overflight by 2024. I think the FAA is already working on that rule of you know, overflight of people as a regular, clear rule that's going to happen in operations. Uh, but I, I think really via drone technology, you'll see just human ingenuity come into the air, uh, where much more active airspace and much more active drone flight in airspace is uh, common, if not boring. Uh, I think just from a basic, you know, from from drone base perspective, you know, I really just want to just for us, you know, it's it really is this sort of decidedly unsexy Amazon like 
attack on just the core operational execution axes of our business, right? I mean, just having an just just an incredibly simple API for customers that can scale to tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of drone flights. You know, today in the United States, we're comfortable signing up for a 48 to 72 hour turnaround from 20 megapixel imagery flights. You know, we would love for that to be 24 to 48 and then just all 24. Uh, You know, today we're, we're able to do that in a day or, you know, two or three days on 20 megapixel imagery. We're very, um, you know, we're very interested in, in bringing higher value sensors to bear, like thermal sensors, uh, you know, other kind of uh, higher value sensors and LIDAR sensors to bear, uh, where you can get that same sort of response time uh, with a much higher value add sensor. Um, and, you know, just increasing sort of reliability on the data set and on the service that we render, increasing and increased automation of the flight where the human, we think a lot about how many flights can one drone pilot do a day. Uh, we're always mm-hmm. trying to automate everything we do, including the flight. Sure. So maybe a pilot can get, you know, maybe three years ago, we could be, get like three flights done a day. Maybe today it's more like eight to 10. Would love to, you know, our technology is getting so good that Pilot can do twenty to thirty, right? You're just and you're becoming just more of a systems operator, systems maintainer, setting down systems in the morning, picking them up in the afternoon, uh, and then you know probably eventually to really remote fleet management over time. Uh, we we like an incremental approach to that whole uh, that whole kind of playing out as well. You know, we like to be active in the market now, not just kind of try to get to the utopian seven year out solution. So we'd like to be in the market now. Uh, long answer to your question, but yeah, I'm excited for 2024 if you can't tell. <laughs> well, sounds like you already have a to-do list. Uh, what, what about insurance? I mean, most of our, our audience is mostly insurance people and, and, um, and thinking about insurance and concerned about insurance. What about, what about drones and insurance in the future? What do you see there? Yeah, look, I, I think for us, that's a core vertical. Uh, I see that being a very valuable vertical both today and increasingly uh, in the future. Uh, like I said, I think that this hardware and drone base as a company are really best in the world at one square mile or less data capture. Uh, what tends to look like, you know, basically all buildings fit into that parcel um, and all buildings in many ways, it's kind of the whole life cycle of a property is more similar than dissimilar. So if I think about the kind of the two by two of today in commercial insurance, drones today already extremely relevant in both commercial underwriting and claims. Certainly, you know, obviously claims are just very valuable on the commercial side, but even on the underwriting side, we're finding you know, a drone inspection as you prepare a underwriting policy more and more relevant. In the kind of the residential two by two, I think that residential claims more and more are becoming kind of fair game where you might expect a drone to do the data capture side. Uh, residential underwriting is still, you know, that's just that's at a price point uh, which is still kind of hard to approach. Perhaps we get there at some point, especially if you can do sort of like neighborhood or area capture. Um, you know, you look down a, a row of 12 homes, maybe a state farm, an all-state, a USAA, a, a small medium provider. Um, you know, if you could get plugs into all of those and really do neighborhood capture, then, you know, even even something like residential underwriting might be more uh, plausible. Um, so, no, I, you know, I, I really do think that if from there, I think that like where drones are most relevant is still operational. 
Um, I, I don't proclaim that we'll, we can do everything an independent adjuster could do. I think there's a lot of cases where we're just, we can be better, faster, and you know, more affordable on the data collection side. Um, I think that the folks who are really laser focused, non-drone companies that are solving their, the insurance industry's problems, that they will go deeper and deeper on the analysis of those problems um, and just keep kind of winning that vertical. Uh, but I do think that drones will play a bigger and bigger role in the, in the acquiring of data and data sets. Uh, I'm a little skeptical. Uh, anytime I hear sort of machine learning, AI, uh, et cetera, uh, you know, I, my kind of feelers go up. And then if you add machine learning or AI to drones, then now you're like buzzwords on buzzwords. That's a, even more concerning. Um, I, I still think of, you know, I really do think we're just a kind of a, I like this technology as it pertains to operations executing better, faster, more affordably in the field, uh, rather than going like to the 29th decimal analysis solution for you know 20 different industries. Do you, do you, and I think that's how it'll break out insurance. Do you ever do you, do you ever see the drone coming inside the house? I mean, that's one of the you know the obvious you know the obvious limitations currently. Yeah. Do you yeah, see that? I mean, it's a, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard problem. It's a really hard problem. Um, I would love if it did. Um, there are systems like a, like, I mean, what Skydio is doing, like there's some work that Skydio has done with a ton of sensors on a system. I mean, I'm always really impressed and amazed by how quickly DJI moves on the technology. Um, but look, homes are tough. Uh, those are tight spaces. Um, I still think this is most relevant for external capture. Um, we may get there on the internal side, but you know, I think it's more plausible that you got your 20 minute automated flight, the drone, you hit the button on the drone, it goes up and does its thing. And the person goes inside the house and just tackles that. I think human and a robot really powerful together, robot alone, not so good human alone, not so good. Um, it's when they can kind of work together that's very effective. So I can see more just it's the, the, the flight portion is so automated that the human, their time is freed up to do kind of higher value tasks that it just a human should do. And yeah, go, I've flown a lot. I've flown a lot inside uh, different places um, and it never ceases to uh, raise my blood pressure. I, so I saw, um, I saw a service or a drone service um, when we were doing our homework for this episode that um, uh flies around the inside of warehouses, right? And does inventory. Yeah. And I think that's, that's, that's reasonable because you kind of have a bigger air space. You, know, you clear out right. 40 to 50 feet. Like there's, there's no encumbrances there. Uh, and I say this to some degree because there, there is work being done in the military context where you're less concerned that, Hey, we're going to like the rotor's going to hit a wall. Uh, where you are doing internal or take out the cat. Uh, you're right. Right. Exactly. Ex yeah. Both of those things are bad. Maybe the cat's probably worse of the two. Um, <laughs> well, maybe the cat but, had it. Yeah, coming. The, the military is working hard to solve some of those problems. And those are very non-trivial um, and just seem to require a different system with just a sensor suite that is really beefed up compared to where it is uh, today. Look, and look, I, I'm a true believer on this. Like I'm, I'm always the, I'm always happy to take the optimistic view, uh, but I think like, man, that Z axis, uh, there's not much up there. It gives you a lot of tolerance and slack. 
uh, you know, every home, every building is a little different. Yeah, I like those use cases where it's a warehouse. You can kind of clear the decks from 40 to 50 feet or something like that. Uh, still a little more skeptical of just broad internal capture. Well, listen, we, uh, we're, we're, we're up against your time. In fact, we've gone over on your oh, yeah, time, sorry, and, sorry, and I sorry, apologize yes. for no that. Problem. No, no problem. No but, but so this just goes to show that we're going to have to do an episode two with Dan. That's right. That's right. So, so you kind of, you kind of talked yourself into that, um, with, uh, on by accident. And, uh, we, 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 we really appreciate you doing that because content like yours is exactly why our podcast exists. Um, we want to get the word out about these different processes, technologies, ideas to our industry. And that's, that's our, that's our mission. And we really appreciate um, how you've done that today. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you both. Uh, my pleasure. G- really happy to, to circle back with you after working a bit in the field and excited for what uh, both our, you know, what, what 470 drone base can do together and excited for both uh, our, the insurance and drone industries as they use more and more great technology. Absolutely. Wonderful. So, so put a placeholder in your calendar in the future for, uh, for episode two. Okay. Will do. If you're, if you're back in South beach, then I'm going to, I'm going to be curious. I'm going to question it though. <laughs> Me too. I think it's more likely. I'll be once, in. Is a, once is a, you know, anomaly twice is a, is a pattern. Exactly. I think, I think it's more, more likely I'll be in Venice <laughs> with you. Oh, so, there you go. Okay. okay. Well, I can't hardly fault you for that. Okay. Right. Well, thank okay. you so much. Make sure you pack a food allergy if you're going to come to Los Angeles. So, got to have one. <laughs> Another really interesting episode, don't you think? I do. Uh, you know, it's just a lot of great information out of there. Really, I'm always interested in everybody's story. And yes. today we today we really got a good look into his story, uh, where he came from, everything that he he dreamed. You know, it it's interesting because he's had this idea to start a company for so long and he, he was, he was really smart about it. Sure. He said, Hey, let me, let me get out of debt. Let me get in the right place sure. so I can really focus on it with the help of his wife, of course. Um, but what a neat story he has. And really interesting. I mean, like I, I would think that most people, most mere mortals or normal people would just not be able to contain their enthusiasm and excitement and would rush head first into this but but he he had the idea but there was a number of steps that he took i mean right. steps harvard business school goldman yeah. wall street i mean those those are remarkable things that he did but um but was able to uh you know be patient and thoughtful and it looks like that all has paid off you know his his comments on why combinator were interesting me and you got to know why combinator Months and months ago, we were listening to a podcast, and they were were, were talking all about uh, Y Combinator, and and to hear them really explain the importance of it, I uh, that really opened up my mind to how these startup companies can go from uh, the the small seed ideas to really these giant trees, and and really grow some deep roots. Right, right. Um, it, I, it sounds like. One of the interesting things I got out of the out of the thing today was how he views his company and its operations, 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 execution, execution, execution. That's how he sees it. I think he sees it as what we do is gather data and what Mm -hmm. you do. And then we give the data to you. 
So he's really yeah, picked, I, I, he's really defined his his niche well. He has, and he he doesn't want to overstep his boundaries. He he's being smart, and I think that's that's from the lessons learned early. Because if he had jumped into uh, creating this company uh, when he first wanted to he might not have been as focused. He was able to go to Harvard Business School. He was able to go to Y Combinator. He was able to really make this vision and understand why he needs to stay within the lines. And he's so far, he's done a great job of it. I see drone-based advertisements everywhere. And uh, as I said, if you're a drone pilot, drone base is, is a great place to go. Right. And major partnerships uh, that they're involved in because they, they kind of dominate their space. And um, they have a, a, a significant head start, plus obviously a CEO who's very, very smart, very, very well-spoken, um, and, uh, and has a great vision about where he's going. Yeah, he is very driven. You know, you can tell that, uh, you know, he didn't, he didn't go all the way into it, but I think his future vision is uh, a, a large need for drones, uh, I think he sees that we have a lot of drone pilots. Uh, they have uh, some drone inspections. However, in the future, there's going to be a ton of use of drones. And I think, as we saw with State Farm announcing, uh, you know, their their newest uh, information from the FAA that they're going to be able to fly in certain scenarios where you you previously could not over people or other buildings out of line of sight, even in, in at night, or is now being announced by the FAA. His his world is going to continue to open up for the need for drones. Sure. I mean, when you think about all the ways that drones can be used, all the ways that that data can be calculated, and, and then the new ways that, that, that the data can be um, digested. Yeah. One of the strategic partners I saw him, him have was with a company that does 4D. I don't even know what that is. Yeah, <laughs> but but there's this. They have a strategic partnership with a with some kind of technology companies that that's doing 4D work with with the data that they capture. Yeah, I mean, remarkable. It, it is because they're able to take these images of these buildings and instantaneously turn them into these 4D images on a, on a. Uh, on a screen where mm-hmm. you used to have to do it in post-production. You used to have to spend time and money and, and design what, what you think it looks like. And you're able to take it and say, this is the exact building. Mm-hmm. This is what it will look like or is going to look like. It's, it's great. Well, I think that, um, you know, aside from the work that we've done with them ourselves and, and, uh, the, and the work that we've done with them in the future, I'm sure that everybody who's listening to this podcast and who works in our industry can count on the fact that they're going to be seeing a lot of them around. And, yeah. um, and, uh, it's such a big, vast space. We really do need to have them on another, uh, another time to, uh, co- to cover this whole area. Yeah, I, I agree. Well, listeners, that does it for this week's episode of FNO Insure Tech. We thank Dan Burton so much for being with us. And Anthony, is there something that you want to remind our listeners about? Yeah. If you guys that are listening, uh, please make sure on whatever platform it is that you've caught this edition of FNO Insure Tech, make sure you're following or subscribing. And uh, the best way to support us and let us know how we can get better is to actually leave a review and a rating. Uh, so we would love to hear your feedback and, uh, Help us improve. 
yeah, please, please rate us. Please subscribe. And um, please join us next time.